0: Hey, fed Heads! welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings, brought to you live on Facebook, uh, broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, and of course available on your favorite podcast catcher or on the old YouTubes. I'm your host, Tripp, here with my co-host, Dennis, who's got a... Technical difficulties. Yeah, slight technical difficulty, <laughs> kind of a uh, Vaseline on the lens kind of situation. It's His camera just won't focus, so unfortunately you guys are going to have to deal with a blurry Dennis for the evening um but hopefully we'll get that worked out by next week and and we'll be all good but the important thing is he can hold up his cigar um and he doesn't have to do any of this like finicking around trying to get it to focus yeah look at that it's already focused there see and it focuses on your face when you do that which is weird um so tonight we're smoking the avo ritmo (laughs) and the reason we chose this cigar is because we're doing a uh a pairing that I don't believe has ever been done on Sharing Our Pairings. I know we've never, we've certainly never dedicated a show to it.
1: Yeah, um, I think
2: it's been talked about.
0: It's been talked about for a very long time. For
2: a while, yeah.
0: Uh, and we've had, we've had like, we've had several requests. I can't say we've had hundreds of requests uh, because gin just isn't that popular these days. Um, but uh, we've definitely had a lot of interest in it. So I, I've been wanting to do a gin show because gin is close to my heart and. I found that the Avo Ritmo it has kind of a uh, a funky fruity sweetness kind of flavor that lingers on your tongue a little bit with that like it reminds me of kind of grapefruit peel, orange, guava, kind of like I don't know, just a rich fruity sweetness, and I think that's going to go really well with gin. We'll we'll find out about that. You just lit your cigar, Dennis. What do you think of it so far?
2: The first, honest, the first two puffs on it were were really kind of. Uh, pretty powerful, more than I expected. Um, So I haven't smoked this one before, not that I remember. I may have had one some time ago, but uh, definitely what you said, that sweetness is right there, right at the beginning.
0: Yeah, it's got a lot of complexity to it because it's really got – I believe they've said that this is actually the strongest AVO they've ever made. Um, And it does. It it has that strength, but it's really balanced really well by the sweetness, I think. Um, So now that I'm like – thinking about it i'm i have to mention if you can't tell i've got a i've got a bit of a cold that i think i'm almost over now um so it may be clouding my palate a little bit but it, to me it reminds me of like a fruit flavored uh marshmallow oh,
2: okay.
0: it's got like a creaminess and a sweetness and like that fruitiness but the, then there's also like you know some spice um some earthiness a little bit of leather it kind of hits all the points and to talk about the cigar a little bit the uh they went all out with the blend on this one. It's I, They mention it every time, and I'm always surprised by it. There's tobaccos from seven different countries, and that's a lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> so yeah. the wrapper is Ecuadorian, though. They don't say the strain. I would guess, like just based on the look, maybe Ecuadorian Habano. It could be an Ecuadorian Connecticut, because Avo has been using some, uh, some funky Ecuadorian Connecticuts, like in the, in the regular Synchro that's kind of a, a really dark Ecuadorian Connecticut. Um, the binder is Mexican and the fillers are from Dominican Republic, Honduras, Nicaragua, Brazil, and Peru. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch of different tobaccos in here. This isn't, uh, that kind of situation where it's all from, from one country. It's definitely not a puro. It's about as far as you can get. I'm smoking the Toro, which is a six by 54. This is actually the, uh, I pulled the little foot band off here. This is actually the 30th anniversary edition, which as, uh, scott told us last week during our uh cigar chat if you haven't watched it go back and check that out um this is the same vitola the same production and everything is the regular stuff um but the the foot band indicates that they come in special boxes that are going to be released later this year that are really really cool um what else do i have to say about the cigar oh yeah the the retail price on this toro is 11.90 i think the robusto is around is about a dollar less um so you're looking at somewhere between 11 and 13 dollars here which size are you smoking dennis i've got
2: the toro as well
0: oh nice perfect um and of course we're going to be pairing it with some gin so i'm I'm excited to get into some gin because i uh i've talked about on the show before i love gin i started off like like most people i i had gin a couple times in high school and i thought that uh that i was just not a gin guy that i hated it but after I met my wife and started hanging out with my father-in-law, who's a cigar smoker, I got him smoking better cigars, um, and he kind of introduced me to gin. And now I, I probably drink equal amounts gin and whiskey, like in, <laughs> like on a weekly basis, uh, which is huge because I, I love whiskey too. Um, so I've got three different gins here that I actually went – I noticed while I was getting set up, I went all West Coast. So I've got a Washington, oh, really? Oregon, and a California gin. Um, so I'm interested to see how how these pair with this cigar. I think they're going to pair
2: pretty well. Any thoughts before we get started here from you, Dennis? So, uh, so fun fact, actually, back in the 17th century, gin was pretty much sold in, in pharmacies as a medicine.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: there was this guy, I was trying to remember this guy's name, he was a physician that kind of came up with it, um, or he's credited as coming up with it as uh, gin as we know today um forget his name uh franciscus silvius that was name. so he came up with this and they started pushing it out to to all the pharmacies as a remedy for all kinds of weird stuff you know like uh, good for your liver good for um uh bladder stones like all kinds of crazy stuff and this gin boom happened and with the gin boom more people started producing gin and eventually, what happened was people started producing really crappy gin, right? When you have that kind of a demand, you're going to cut corners. And essentially, they started adding—I uh, think it was turpentine—into the gin. Yeah, they were selling some rough stuff, man. Uh,
0: that's so, what, that's what you, they used to call bathtub gin.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So interesting history to that. It's kind of uh, kind of weird, and a lot of us that started drinking gin initially, not really liking it, and now you know have grown a have grown a really nice palate for it. It's definitely yeah. one of those things. It takes some time to develop and get there.
0: Yeah, I think it takes a little while to develop a taste for gin, not because it's not because it tastes bad, but it's kind of like a lot of whiskeys where there are certain oh, yeah. flavors that are very aggressive, and if you can't taste past that flavor, that flavor turns into a wall, and that's all you taste. Um, I I feel like Lefroyg P.D. Uh, Scotch might be oh, kind of that's a that's good a, example. It, it,
1: that's because
0: perfect. if you hate the flavor of, of that peat smoke, you're not going to find any peated scotch that you like. It's just not going to happen. And a lot of people are like that with juniper. But if, once you've acclimated to that smoky peat, um, just like with gin, you start to taste the complexity that's underneath there. Um, and Jared Grillet says he doesn't like it because it tastes like a, a Christmas tree. <laughs> I, oh, juniper. I See, that's the juniper, man. Pr- the juniper is um,
2: pretty intense.
0: And as I'll talk about with one of mine, there there's a little bit of Christmas tree in some of these. Um uh, I had one more thought on my head. Oh, uh the kind of renaissance of gin that happened. Um, I was reading about it. So it's a really interesting thing where um Bombay Sapphire was released in I think it was the early eighties. It might have been the mid eighties. Um and they were really trying to turn gin into the cool new drink. So they released Bombay Sapphire, a nicer gin. It's a little more refined, a little it's a little closer to vodka. It's got less um, aggressive flavors. And uh, they somehow they made it popular in London, and then it just turned into a thing. And that's like that it's uh, Bombay Sapphire single-handedly revived the gin industry, which was almost dead. Um, and that's where the kind of stereotype came back of, uh, you know, people in London drinking gin and tonics. Because in the 70s and 80s, they didn't drink a lot of gin and tonics because that's what your grandma drank. It, uh, gin was thought of as a woman's drink for a long time. Absolutely. Which is really funny because it's, uh, I don't know any <laughs> women who enjoy gin very much.
2: No, it's it's tough. And usually these days if you find a woman that enjoys gin, she's covered in tattoos and works on her own motorcycle and, you know, mm-hmm. probably hunts on the weekends
0: yeah exactly. it's it's not considered <laughs> a generally ladylike thing, but back then um, gin wasn't manly at all. It was very uh, emasculating to drink gin in front of people. Um, and then Bombay Sapphire kind of turned that around and it became huge. And now now there's like probably more gin than ever. So I'm gonna talk about my first gin here and this is one that I was really excited to try this when I first found out about it and I hunted down a bottle. Um, it's called Big Gin. And you can tell it's big gin because it has giant, giant label. But there's the important part: it's Pete barrelled. So Which this is very exciting. Is, yeah. So this is a gin. Uh, it's called Big Gin. Obviously, it's from a distillery called Captive Spirits in uh, Seattle, Washington. And they age this for. Let me let me find the uh, details here. I just got to pull up my notes. Um, so, oh, Captive Capt- Captive Spirits is the name of the place. They were founded in 2011. And they have two 100-gallon pot stills, which is not very much. Um, It's all they've got to work with. So this is their big gin, which they don't release a lot of details on it. um, As I'll talk about in a a little while with my next gin, a lot of times they tell you precisely what is in gin. They basically tell you the exact recipe um, because they're not telling you the measurements. And that's the entire uh, crux of what makes a gin unique is the measurements of what you put in there, not necessarily what you're putting in. Uh, So they have a 200-gallon pot sales. Oh, it's uh, so they get the peat barrels. I hate calling them peat barrels, but that's what they call it, peat barreled. (laughs) Um, They get single malt barrels from Westland, uh, which is a a single malt distillery that's in Seattle. And they have a peated single malt. Uh, It's called their peated American single malt. And so they age it in those barrels for four months it comes out this nice, like, almost Ardbeg color. Let me hold up the glass. It's just a little dark, or a little lighter than Ooh, that's pretty. It's like a, a light gold. And I'm going to... Oh, that smells delightful. Um, there's a couple more details. So one thing that I really like about this, they do this on all of their gins, if it'll focus there. Um, they handwrite the barrel number, bottle number. And for this one, because this is a, a uh, limited release, they handwrite the ABV. Which is forty-seven in this case, um, because obviously they're aging it in a barrel and it may lose or gain a little bit of alcohol during that process. Um, with the regular stuff that they cut with water, uh, it's just printed forty-seven. So I guess this one just—I mean, four months isn't a long time, so I wouldn't expect it to lose an entire percentage point. So I'm going to take a couple sips while you talk about your first pairing here, um, and then I'll let you guys know what I think of the peat barrel big gin paired with the the cigar here.
2: Man, I. I totally screwed up my pour. I got overzealous. So I have these new, uh, thanks to Trip, I bought these Glencairn glasses. And see, look at that. My camera works properly. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know why. So I poured a little bit too much of my first one, but that's okay. My first uh, in for tonight. These,
0: I, I do have to say, these glasses are deceptive. They are um, insanely deceptive. Like, this is the perfect pour point because this is about two <laughs> ounces, which is like right at the yeah. widest point. Um, but it's really, really hard to tell if you got it right or not while you're pouring it. So a lot of times I'll pour it yeah. and it'll be at the top of the
2: bulb. Yeah, dude. I, I think I pushed a little bit too much on that one. But that's okay. We'll drink it. It's uh, the kind of suffering we have to do for the viewers. My first gin, and I'm going to mess up some names tonight because I have this whole Ukrainian speech impediment thing going on. So <laughs> don't hate on me. Uh, my first one is called The Botanist. Oh, yeah. And it's got such a pretty label and a nice bottle. Um it's pretty funky, so it's an it's an Islay gin, which is kind of cool and interesting, and I've never seen it before, and I've been kind of a casual gin drinker for many years. Um, and so it's actually made at the, and I'm going to screw this up, but the... I'll, I'll br- correct you when you screw it up. The Bruclati.
0: Bruclati. Yeah.
2: So it's produced by Bruclati. It's their gin. And uh, the cool thing with this is they use the nine classic kind of botanicals, the... the Cassia bark, the coriander, the juniper, obviously. And then they go and they get 22 different kind of local herbs, you know, from the Islay area, which is kind of awesome. I always love that locally sourced thing. Um, It smells so good. It's just so smooth, so clean. Uh, I'm pumped to try. I haven't even sipped on it yet.
0: Um, Let me ask you something about that. Does it say, anywhere on the label, does it say distilled gin? This is a point that I wanted to bring up, but none of mine are actually distilled gins, at least not oh, uh, as actually, described on the label.
2: That is a good good question. Let me check it out. Because I wanted to so, talk about
0: what distilled gin is versus gin.
2: Yes. Yes, it does. So it's distilled uh, 100% grain-neutral spirits and... Obviously, distilled and bottled at the but, Brooklady Distillery. But does it say distilled gin? Oh, of the name That's itself? The no, thing. no. Okay. So it doesn't. It just says dry gin.
0: Okay. So what that probably means is, uh, so actually, first, an, a really interesting thing about that, and the reason that Brooklady makes it is, uh, as we've talked about before, we've actually talked specifically about the botanists when talking about this before. Um, so Brooklady was a distillery that opened and closed and opened and closed and opened and closed for the last hundred years. Um, and they were closed during the 90s uh, into the early 2000s. I think it was 2002 or so that they opened back up, or three maybe. Um, and when they started distilling spirits again, they obviously they had all this old whiskey that they could still use um, that was you know 10, 15, 20 years old already. But they didn't have anything new. So they had to make new whiskey, put it in barrels, and sit on it for 10 years, because their, their youngest expression was 10 years, I think, at the time. Um, so they made this gin specifically so they'd be able to sell something in the meantime and it just got they had intended it to be kind of a a project that would last until they could sell whiskey and it turned out to be much more popular than they had anticipated and now it's it's a fairly popular gin um but actually i wanted to talk about distilled gin so the difference between when something says that it's gin so like um i mean this one doesn't even say gin it just says distilled and bottled by and um, but if you see something that says distilled gin on it that actually means that they add the all of the ingredients the herbs and spices and everything um to they they soak it in the raw spirit and then they distill it again oh, so they're just okay. dis, they're distilling they're not really distilling out the flavor but they're distilling it again so the flavor comes through differently um, the the way to make regular gin that's not that's not technically distilled gin is you just take the raw spirit soak the uh, additive, whatever the infusion, additive yeah. you have, yeah, infuse them, and then bottle that. Um, and I, I've never tasted two side-by-side, side, but I need to do that at some point. And this peat barrel gin, um, the peat is so, so, so light. Um, you barely know it's there. But it adds, like, it reminds me a little bit of that, uh, like the, the mouthfeel, or the kind of aftertaste, I guess, uh, finish of Ardbeg where you end up with that, like, a wisp of smoke. Like, you can barely taste it, and it just kind of leaves it in your mouth a little bit. Um, But then it's got, like, this spice and sweetness that's really good. Um, And I know, Jared, you probably hate this, but it's got a ton of juniper, very (laughs) juniper-forward, which I love. Um, And I just think that this is a spectacular, like, um, most people don't drink gin straight. Most people are going to order a martini, or they're going to order, like, a gin and tonic. Um, And then there are some people who order, you know, a Gimlet or a Negroni or something like that, some other kind of gin-based cocktail. But most people don't drink it straight. I think this is the kind of gin that could work as a really dry martini or uh, maybe with soda water. Um, But I really like it just on its own. Um, I wouldn't, like, I don't feel the need to add anything to this at all. make it better of course i i've been drinking that and talking so much that i haven't smoked my cigar so (laughs) all you talk about your pairing and then i'll figure out how how it pairs with.
2: for me you know juniper is it's definitely there uh but it's not the dominant flavor for me uh, oddly enough the dominant flavor is coriander it's got that like coriander zest to it that really pops in and it's surprisingly smooth given the way it smells and that's the thing with gin too right a lot of people kind of smell it and they're put off by it sort Mm -hmm. of like tequila oh yeah um And it, you know, it smells, it's not as bitey on the nose. It smells smooth and it definitely finishes smooth on the palate Um, and doesn't really linger either. It's kind of, it's kind of a weirdly refreshing gin. Yeah. And I think something like this would work in a cocktail very nicely, but it, I don't know if how many people actually sip gin, but this would be a great sipping gin. I mean, most
0: people, the way you're going to sip gin is as a martini, which the martini is another, uh, another whole history story that I could tell, but most people don't drink sweet martinis anymore like you know um you'll hear somebody ask for a dry martini so a dry martini in modern terms means cold gin yeah uh most people don't put vermouth in in martinis anymore Mm -hmm. that's kind of a thing that died out with world war ii i'll I'll explain that after we take a break um but we'll be right back after a message from one of our sponsors and then i will uh i'll regale you all with the story of why nobody drinks vermouth anymore
1: Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuador, and wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvania, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars. It's hand-rolled Nicaraguan, available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars.
0: All right, and we're back whoa, your, your camera just got real crazy. So I was I was saying before how I was going to tell the story of how uh, how vermouth just got less popular and dry martinis became the thing. Uh, it was yet another thing from World War II. Um, for some reason, everybody got back from World War II and it was all, uh, there was kind of like this macho mentality of everybody who had been in the army, um, or in the military rather, and been deployed overseas. They didn't, they didn't want things to be soft around the edges anymore. They wanted... Uh, it's kind of like the same way that Harleys became popular. They wanted to be badass. And drinking a martini was no longer badass. But a dry martini could be badass. So um, they just stopped drinking vermouth in their martinis. It became kind of the, uh, the, the less manly thing to do for some reason. Kind of like we were talking about before with the gin and tonics in London. Um, and then now most people that I know that drink martinis don't even have vermouth in the house, which is crazy. Um, but you know, uh, so I mean, if you order an extra dry martini these days, you're going to get probably a twist of lemon, maybe some olives and some really cold gin that might be sh- That's probably shaken with ice, but preferably stirred with us. <laughs> that's just my opinion. I'm yeah. very like, um, my wife can tell you, I get very opinionated about martini. Uh, it's one of the things that like, She's had to calm me down, like when we're at a bar or something, and somebody orders a vodka martini, and I'm like banging on the table and yelling at people, um, not because I'm angry at them, but I'm explaining that vodka martini is not a thing. That's not a thing. That's a <laughs> cold vodka. A, a martini it always is gin. Yeah. Um, those oh, no into arguments a with people about that. Or an apple martini, yeah. like an apple martini is no. different. An apple martini is a twist that's completely separate. You're not calling it a martini. When you have like a martini list on a menu and they're all mixed drinks and none of them are a martini, it makes me furious.
2: It's horrible. Absolutely.
0: Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one.
2: But um, on on gin pairing, interesting thing. I kind of learned uh, some time ago and I kind of forgot about, do you know this thing with the hand using your hand when you're, before you even take a sip of gin, uh, you put your hand over the top. Have you heard about that? No. So you put your hand over the top, right? You flip it. So it just touches your hand. And then you not rub your hands together, but you just kind of pass. And then you smell your hands and you get kind of like the nose of the of the gin. And okay. this is like what gin masters, I guess, would, would do to, to sample. All right, I'm going to try that real quick. I just got gin all over my uh, mic. <laughs> to me, Also, it's just, preferably, your hands should be clean for this. Just disclaimer uh, on that.
0: Honestly, doing that, uh, to me, it just smells like Lysol.
2: Like, okay. It just
0: smells, all it smells is alcohol, evaporated alcohol. Mm, interesting. Oh man, I love how this this one smells. But I'm going to move on. Um, So my next one comes to me from California. I should have ordered these going down the coast. But uh, I like it more this way. Because I'm going in order of intensity. Which is interesting because my first one is barrel aged. This one is not barrel aged. Um, but this is much more intense. This is St. George Terroir Gin. So St. George is interesting because they've got uh three different gin recipes that they that they sell. They have... Terroir, Botanivore, and uh, Rye. So the Rye is actually a different, it's actually made with rye, um, whereas the other two are just neutral grain spirits. Um, I think corn and barley, if I remember correctly. And the Terroir and Botanivore are actually completely different botanicals that they end up adding. So this is where we get into uh, what I was going to talk about about the botanicals. So a lot of gins will divulge every single botanical they use um it's very very common because that's what makes it unique but also you can't really copy somebody's recipe just knowing what was in it you have to know the specific process um and it also one thing i really like about it is that it gives you um it gives you tasting notes kind of without being like that annoying you know seven year age madagascar vanilla (laughs) kind of like specificity
2: um ancient fig notes
0: yeah like anything that's like <laughs> weird and floaty like that um i like just knowing what's in it and then you can search for those things and with gin the interesting thing is you can usually f- pick those out um so this one has 12 ingredients um and actually before i talk about the ingredients St. George was founded in 1982 they're in Alameda California um and terroir of course is a term from wine where it's the uh, terroir is basically, the meaning is the essence of the ground, the soil. Uh, it means that all of the environmental uh, variables influence that grape and make it taste the way it does. So you can, gr- you can take the soil, you can take the grape, you can plant it somewhere else, and it'll taste completely different because the terroir is different. Um, and that's kind of what their philosophy with this is. It's all... Local California ingredients, or at least most of them are, Um, and the ingredients are angelica root, bay laurel, cardamom, cinnamon, coastal sage, coriander, Douglas fir, which is a Christmas tree. Interesting. Very cool. Fennel seed, juniper berries, lemon peel, orris root, which I'm not sure what that is, and several orange peel. Um, So this is one of my favorites because this is kind of a, uh, this I think of as the Lagavulin of gins. It's the gin that's very intense, and um, even if you're experienced, it might be a little too intense for you. Um, it's got a lot of flavor. It's what I would call a full body gin. So I'm going to take a couple sips and see how it pairs with this RITMO. And, and interesting I, thing, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to shout out to Bob Langmaid. He says he's a gin and tonic f- fan, and he thinks a very dry martini goes well with a good Connecticut. Mm. I, I think. I think you're right. Um, yeah. I can Martini, see that. Martini, like as we were saying, gin is hard to pair, especially with a fuller bodied cigar like this. But I think I'm I'm still thinking that we got this we got this pairing right. Um, a Connecticut's a good call because then you taste both. Um, the gin's almost no gin's gonna overpower a Connecticut wrapper, but also the Connecticut wrapper is not really gonna soil the, the flavor of the gin at all. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, no worries, man. Um, I was just gonna say Orris root, I just looked it up. So Apparently, it smells like violets, and it's the powder is used to add a fresh scent to linen and uh, potpourri. Interesting. Uh, and apparently, they use it as a fixative in perfumes to enhance other aromas. So it's kind of cool that they they use that in in gin making. Yeah, and that probably I'm sure that binds to the other aromatics from from the other um, spices and herbs. Yeah, very cool. Man, so let me get into so much my next pairing. On on oh, it's a heavy bottle. Very beautiful bottle too. I'm I love the shape, and of course. I buy based on label and based on shape, partially. I've always uh, wanted to try the that store. one. So gunpowder Irish gin, an interesting distinction here. It does say it's slow distilled. Hmm. Uh, and this is a drum chambeau from Ireland. So that's a an area in Ireland, if really? I'm not mistaken. Uh, this gin is a little bit different. Uh, it's got some funky stuff going on in there. Obviously, I mean, gunpowder I mean, I tea. Is,
0: that's gunpowder tea.
2: Yep. So for those of you that don't know, gunpowder tea is a green tea that's kind of rolled into these little pellets, and looks a little bit like gunpowder. It's got a pretty strong kind of, I'd almost call it a citrus spice. It's pretty citrusy compared to a lot of other green teas, not that smoky kind, um, if you're used to that. Um, But it's got some other stuff going on, too. It's got a lot of oriental, what they call oriental botanicals, Uh, and in this case, it's got like... Angelia root and Chinese lemon, Oriental grapefruit, which I'm not sure what the distinction for that is. How how it's different? Yeah, me either. Uh, but they, it does have kaffir limes, oh, which is which is pretty cool. So kaffir limes, caraway seed, gunpowder tea, obviously star anise. So a lot of the standard, typical juniper berries, right? That's all the usual stuff. And then they use meadow sweet, which is kind of interesting. I've never really seen that in a gin. Uh, I've seen a couple of beers made with meadow sweet, particularly uh, Groot's. You know, and I actually used Meadowsweet in my group uh, when I brewed it back in, I think it was like September. So it has uh, got
0: to give it some funk.
2: It's it's definitely got some weird stuff, but they actually do it in two different steps. So there's the distillation step where they do the majority of the botanicals, and then there's that vapor infusion. So for the vapor infusion, it's yeah. essentially a basket. The vapors go through that basket during the distillation process. And for that, they, they actually tell you what they what they put in that.
0: So for the vapor infusion, it's actually kind of like a, uh, kind of like how a vaporizer works where they're actually heating up that basket, to a certain temperature to then vaporize all of the liquids that are in there. Um, and then that's held over the vat of spirit. So you end up kind of infusing those flavors. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, the first one to actually use that was, uh, I talked about them earlier and now I can't remember the name. Bombay Sapphire.
2: Um, I oh, know, really? They were the first
0: okay. to use vapor infusion.
2: It's uh, it's definitely noticeable because looking at their list of wh- what they actually vapor infused, they did the gunpowder tea, they did the Chinese lemon, the oriental grapefruit, and the Kaffir lime. So all those really intense citrusy flavors, and obviously the intensity of the gunpowder tea, which itself is pretty citrusy and spicy, mm-hmm. all of that comes out and, dude, on the first sip, is just all citrus. Literally like intense lime intense lemon flavor like biting into a rind
0: wow it's really unique very this, different not what this I one's kind of similar actually so this one's got the uh, like it's interesting because like i was saying with the with all of the different ingredients if you know what they smell and taste like you can pick out each one so oh, like, yeah i taste it and i can taste orange peel i can taste lemon peel um i can obviously taste juniper um the coriander comes through the cinnamon really comes through does it the cinnamon is one of the heavier notes, I think. Like, it makes it have, a, like, a kind of an intense spice. It's also got some heat because I, I forgot to mention this one is 90 proof. Um, so it's not quite navy strength, but it's getting up there.
2: Yeah, it's it's pushing it for um, sure.
0: Which, actually, now that I look at it, it's actually a lower proof than the big gin. It's actually the lowest one of the evening, I believe. Oh, no, not quite. Because um, the first one was 47 and this one's 45%. Oh,
2: wow. Okay. It's
0: still, like, it's so much more intense. It's got, like, Oh, the fennel comes through. The cinnamon is really like the intense part, though. And then like that that uh, spice from the coriander, like the black peppery kind of spice.
2: How is it meshing with your cigar?
0: I think it actually goes pretty well with it. One thing that I think helps this gin pair with the cigar well is it's got a really sweet finish. So even though it starts off intense and it leaves a lot of those botanicals, particularly the, scent, the cinnamon, the fennel, and the lemon peel, it like leaves them on your palate. Um and then a really interesting thing is as soon as the smoke hits your palate those flavors kind of just mesh into the smoke and then when you when you blow out the smoke the finish of the gin is pretty much gone um does leave a little heat on the tongue though I'm really surprised by that it's got it's a I mean it doesn't seem like it but it it's got that like alcohol booziness heat
2: hmm for me with my second pairing I notice it it doesn't linger as much as the first especially with the cigar so once I start smoking the cigar again that gin flavor is pretty much gone. All the citrus is gone, but it's it kind of leaves room for the cigar notes to come out.
0: Yeah, um, that's one of the things that I think is really important with pairing gin is um, as long as the flavors of this cigar I think go particularly well because it's got that creamy marshmallowy sweetness with the fruit and then a little bit of spice. Um, I feel like if you get something really earthy, the gin would just like it would just kind of taste like oh, yeah. dirt. Um, and I don't know, somehow the gin really complements the flavors of this cigar.
2: I'm really liking I'm it. I'm to getting
0: how to coconut. Describe it. Yeah. There's a lot of like, I mean, tropical fruit is the story of this cigar. Um, and that's not just that it says South America on the, on the band. You really get that like tropical fruit kind of flavors. Coconut is actually a really good flavor, a, a good note because I definitely taste coconut and I was having trouble putting my finger on it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've, I've been drinking a lot of those coconut IPAs, so I can I can pull it out pretty easily. <laughs> They're so good. Man, this is a great
0: cigar. It's, it's smoking very nicely, too. I'm, I'm just really surprised by how much sweetness I get out of it. Um, and it's not that typical chocolatey sweetness that you're used to getting from cigars.
2: Oh, definitely. It's much lighter.
0: Um, so we're going to take our second break here because I almost missed that. We're a couple minutes late, but we'll be right back.
1: This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it
0: today i guess so all right and we're back uh we're talking about gin and the avo south america ritmo um
2: first ever gin show
0: first ever gin show special special. um i'm just i'm really surprised by so far how my gins are going i think my last one is going to be the loser i'm guessing um so i'll get to talking about that now this is ransom old tom gin they've got a nice old looking label there that's classy. Yeah, it's a, it's a classy one. Um, so this is a local one to me. This is made in uh, Sheridan, Oregon, which is a couple hours away. I think it's about an hour and a half. Um, so this is another, as you can see, barrel-aged gin. But this one is a little bit different. So this one is it's called Old Tom Gin. So Old Tom Gin is basically the pre-prohibition style of gin. Um, when Prohibition started, they were really shying away from barrel aging anything because it took too long. So they would make stuff, put it in a bottle, and sell it. So that's why there was a lot of like really bad whiskey at that time because they were putting in weird stuff to make it look brown. Like that's when you got stories of formaldehyde being in whiskey and stuff like mm. that. So clear spirits were what everybody wanted during Prohibition. Um, and then after Prohibition, of course, that's when that's when the modern version of gin became the standard of gin um and before that it was stuff like slow gin old tom gin mm. so old tom gin is from the mid 1800s and it was kind of the gin that was used to create a lot of gin cocktails that we know today um, the style of, of gin um so let me talk about the the distillery first so it's ransom distillery they make a couple of whiskeys um personally i've had a couple of their whiskeys that i haven't liked a lot um so i don't go seeking them out but I haven't had one in a while. They were founded in 1997. Um, And the interesting thing about this gin is that it is barrel aged for six to eight months in French oak barrels that previously held wine. Um, So you get some of that, like some of that sweetness from the wine. That's really interesting. And I, I think it's safe to say it's red wine because it comes out this color. And if it's only spending six or eight months in there, it's very unlikely that it is uh, that they held white wine and, It's hard to see on camera. It's got kind of a pinkish hue. It just kind of looks like whiskey on camera. Um, And again, they tell you exactly what's in it. This one, they have a very short ingredient list on on this gin. It's juniper berries, orange peel, lemon peel, coriander seed, cardamom, and angelica root.
2: That's it. Interesting. Angelica is awesome.
0: Yeah. uh, I really like the angelica root. I think all three of these have angelica root in them. Um, And it it clocks in at 44% ABV. So this is the weakest of the evening for me. It's interesting that I went in reverse order for alcohol because I was going uh, in the like the body of the drink. Um, and this one, as you can tell by the color, has a little more flavor. It's got a little more sweetness than the others. And I think the sweetness is what's going to fight with the Ritmo because I think that's what makes the others work really well is that they're fairly dry. Oh, and uh, Peter Genet- Genetatos? Genetitos? Hopefully I'm saying it right. Hopefully one of those is right. He wants to know if this is a medium cigar, or medium plus. Um, I would call this one firmly medium plus. Um, it's strong for an avo, but it's really not that strong. Yeah. Um, yep. M- medium plus is about right, I think. Um, I'm not at the end yet, so I don't know if it's going to pick up, but I doubt it's going to pick up enough t- for me
2: to call it full body. Yeah, definitely. It's it's certainly accessible if, if you're uh, mostly a medium smoker. It's it's definitely accessible.
0: Yeah, but still I interesting.
2: Agree. If you're a full body smoker, it still has something to offer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I know that uh, th- this was actually one of the cigars that was in our March Madness. I, sh- I probably should have plugged that earlier. If you haven't voted in March March Madness, go vote. It's fun. Everybody likes voting in March March Madness for cigars. Um, and you get a ton of marks. entries.
2: Can win some cool stuff.
0: I don't know if we're doing any giveaways this year, but we're mm. we're trying. But speaking of giveaways, we are um, – I should have mentioned this at the top of the show when everybody was just oh, coming yeah. on. Uh, we've got a really cool giveaway going on. If you go to CigarFederation.com, uh, I have a big Avo logo right on the front page there for our giveaway. Um, just a couple of steps to enter. We're giving away two full boxes, um, and we're not splitting them up. So it's you're going to win one of two boxes uh, of the new Avo 30th Anniversary Edition – um, 30th anniversary improvisation rather uh, we're giving away a ritmo bag that's a waterproof bag that's got a bunch of really cool stuff inside like a bluetooth speaker and then we're giving away the first number one of 30 Avo 30th anniversary improvisation uh, turntables that is apparently really really cool we got to see it last week and I've got a couple pictures of it um, dude this thing is awesome I'm jealous of whoever's going to win that that's and, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, if you're if you're watching or listening to this, go enter the contest because I would like to win that, and I'm going to be jealous of whoever does win that. Um, so yeah. cigarfederation.com, click the big avo picture, and and get yourself entered to win. All right, let's get back to talking about gin and this cigar. I'm trying to figure out this ransom old top, this ransom old Tom gin. What is? While I'm trying to figure this out, did you get to your next pairing? You did no, right? not yet. I interrupted you with an audience comment very rudely.
2: <laughs> My last pairing is—it's um, kind of cool. I didn't realize it was actually local. Uh, so the, of of the three, this is the only local one. This is from a Long Island, and it's—it's uh, it's got a cool backstory too. So it comes from Wolfers Estate. Oh, I've seen that one around. Oh, you have. Okay, so i, I didn't yeah. realize how how big the distribution for it was. I wasn't sure. Um, you It's probably it on some gin nerd website. Oh, I'm sure it's been. Yeah, it's probably been somewhere around. Uh, it's hard to tell from the camera, but it's actually kind of pink. It's got a really nice pink hue to it, not not too intense, but they classify it officially as a pink gin. And the reason for that is they actually use rose table wine. Oh wow, for it. so they 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 distill the table wine to make this gin. But before I get more into the gin, uh, let me tell you a little bit more about these guys. So they're based out of Long Island. It's kind of the the Hampton sort of area of Long Island and it's uh it's called Sagaponac. Sagapunek, I don't know. <laughs> it's a funky name. If you go out to Long Island, they got some weird names out there. I've never yeah. been, but these guys are actually uh, – they produce grapes and they make wine. That's their jam, you know? Oh, okay. So they have a 55-acre vineyard, which is pretty impressive. But here's the cool thing about these guys. They actually have a 100-acre kind of uh, equestrian facility. So they have an 80-stall stable facility – Wow. They have the largest indoor riding ring on the East Coast, so that's that's <laughs> pretty intense. And these guys do all kinds of stuff. They do training, they do schools, they do uh, boarding and instruction, and they kind of took their passion for, for horses and their passion for wine, and they went into the gin business. They said, hey, why not? Let's, let's do it. They don't give any details on the kind of the additional botanicals they put in, but they do note junipers as obviously, you know, the classic uh, – you know, mainstay for gin, and then they say they have another five botanicals, but they don't say what they are.
0: Yeah, I, I um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I believe the uh, the stipulation with gin is that basically, as long as it's somehow infused with juniper in some way or another, you can call it gin. Yeah, and it's a- there's not a lot of classification rules in the U.S. in in the UK. And actually, in the EU, they have a bunch of classifications. Oh, definitely, rules. they're
2: they're very intense with that. Yeah,
0: but they they drink a lot more gin per capita than than we do over here.
2: So apparently, actually, in the the European Union in general, classifies technically they only recognize four different types of gin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the juniper flavored spirit drinks, which is the mix, the slow gin type mixes. Yeah. Uh, standard gin, distilled gin, and then the London gin, which is London dry yeah which london is basically
0: style. um it's interesting because london dry doesn't really have like super strict requirements it's basically um it just can't be garbage gin basically they have yeah. the stipulations are more on uh the quality of the product the minimum abv and stuff like that mm. then you know then you what, can't put formaldehyde in it has to be unfortunately yeah i think um oh i'm rem- I, I just remembered what it was for gin uh or for london dry gin rather it's that it can't contain over a certain amount of sweetener in addition to oh, okay. whatever is already in the distillate. Because um, you know, with with distilled spirit, you can legally add pretty much as much sugar as you want to it, yeah. and still call it whatever it is. Um, but London Dry Gin eliminates that. It can only have a certain amount of uh, added added sugar left
2: over at the end of the distillation process. Interesting. That makes sense too, right? For the name Dry. And this one, out of the three, this pairing is actually the one that is the most different. And not just on the color, but really on the nose. In general, it's a much thinner gin. It is the the lowest alcohol out of all, which comes in at 40%. And it's got this, like, I don't want to call it a heat, but it's got this, like, alcoholic spice, right? It's It's got the, it's pretty thin, not a lot of botanical on the nose. But then you drink it, and the flavor just hits you. And it's all juniper, all day nothing but juniper man
0: um so an interesting thing about my old tom gin is that the juniper is really 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 uh relaxed it's barely there there's like you don't get that juniper bite that you get from most gins um it's much uh sweeter and more rounded but then there's a little tiny bit of sourness from the grapes from the the wine barrel aging, and Bob Langmade said says he's a cr- officially craving a martini now. <laughs> Somebody get this man a martini. I'm always I'm always craving martinis.
2: Oh man, yeah, I could go I could go for a proper martini anytime.
0: All right, I'm gonna cycle back through my pairings, and before I before I talk about any more of my pairings, we have to talk about our uh, our sponsor for the final segment, which is Dennis Drew Estate. Mmm, they good. I'm trying to remember th- what. Uh, so on, on uh, Cigar Chat, we've been trying to kind of highlight a different uh, Drew Estate cigar every week. Do you have a particular cigar you want to highlight this week? Well, you
2: know, I, my, my first reaction is always to go for the one of my new favorite undercrowns, the Sun Grown. Oh. I love that cigar so much. Oh, it's so good. But you know what? I'm going to talk about the tins because the tins are pretty damn cool. And I was at the shop earlier today, and I saw a bunch of tins. And, <laughs> dude, it's such a good deal for such a nice, quick smoke. You're getting the same, you know, if you love T-52s, if you love number nines, if you love all of that stuff, get it in a tin. It's just awesome. Yeah. You know, nice the, short smoke and really affordable, too.
0: Super affordable. They're, they're not identical. You're not going to get the exact same experience yeah. that you get there out of some a T-52. Um, but it also costs like one-seventh yeah. per cigar <laughs> of what a proper T-52 costs. Um, I think the the MSRP on those is $250 a piece. And the places that I'm been seeing them, they're they're generally available closer to two bucks. Um, and I'm sure, yeah, same here. I'm sure, same as, in, they, as they as uh, they you know as time goes on, you'll be able to get deals and stuff. And I mean, I'll pay two fifty for those all day. There, and those those, are, those
2: tins look nice, man. You can reuse them. I, I I'm a sucker for tins, tins too, of anything, because, Altoids, like, whatever.
0: I really like them for when I'm on vacation somewhere, particularly. Well, no, not when I'm on vacation, when I'm on a business trip, when I'm on a business trip somewhere, I don't have mm-hmm. time to go sit down and smoke a cigar. Usually I very rarely am anywhere near a cigar lounge. Um, so it's like, all right, whatever conference I'm at is over. I'm walking back to the hotel. Uh, I feel like those are a better option than than something that I'm going to only smoke half of on my walk.
2: Definitely. And You're still getting a good cigar, really?
0: Yeah, they're 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 solid for sure. I really like him. So if if you haven't gotten any tins, go buy some tins. They're good. And Bob Langmaid says it's been a while since he's had a martini. Uh, Well, spring, today's the second day of spring, which means that it's martini season.
2: Also, if you're on the East Coast, massive snowstorm. Yeah. So how's that for spring, huh?
0: I know. That's so.
2: It's still coming down hard, man.
0: It's the, it's the, I don't know, somebody's weather machine. I used to say it was Osama (laughs) Bin Laden's weather machine, but uh, (laughs) that joke doesn't work anymore. Sean Connery. Sean Connery's weather. He's
2: bridge. the he's the weather master, sure. right? From that. Sure. The Avengers.
0: No, the League, the of, League of extraordinary gentlemen. Oh no, no, no! You're right. The Avengers. Yes, the, the old. Luma Avengers.
2: Thurman, uh, the old old Avengers. Yeah.
0: No, the old, the new old Avengers.
2: Right, the new old, not the old old. <laughs> People that know know what we're talking about. If yeah. Not go check it out. Not, we killer like movie.
0: <laughs> so I'm going back through my pairings. Man, that Pete gin, Pete Barrel Big Gin is so good. It's got like that. That bite at the beginning and then smooths out into, like, wispy peat smoke. It's just barely there. And the nose on it is surprisingly sweet.
2: It's funny you say that. My first my first gin, actually, the botanist, has that, that same kind of sweetness to it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's not quite a London dry gin. At least I wouldn't classify it as such. Um,
2: you know, to me, it reminds me a lot of Hendrix, to be honest.
0: it's It's got a similar complexity level to Hendrix for me, but it doesn't have that... Um, like, Hendrix is weird because it's so not juniper-forward. The juniper in it is so, so restrained. Yes, um, absolutely. You get a lot more Hendrix, you get a lot more black pepper, kind of. Um, Hendrix is very floral and a little bit herbal. So, to me, Hendrix is kind of like rose water with oh, yeah. cucumbers and black pepper. Yeah.
2: And I think they actually use roses and uh, cucumbers. I,
0: Yeah, I think that I know there's cucumbers. There might, there may or may not be roses in it, but it it certainly reminds me. It's got that like floweriness, and I almost went with uh, instead of the Saint George, I almost went with No Lays, which Casey Aldalami from X, is it Xs Cigars is his company. He uh, he posted a picture of it, and I asked him if it was any good. And then a couple weeks later, my father-in-law turned up with a bottle. Um, And dude, that gin is fantastic. It's uh, it's like. It's lavender heavy, which is really weird. Oh, that's cool. It's got love so flavors. much lavender flavor, but it works really well as a gin. Man, I could talk about gin all day. I almost did all barrel-aged gins for this episode, um, but decided I had to get one regular gin. And, of course, I went with, like, you know, the Lagavulin of gins, St. <laughs>
2: George. The one barrel-aged gin that I had uh, was a while ago. I can't remember the name, but it was a local gin from upstate New York. Uh, and it was just it was so good. It was really exciting. It was the first one I had. And I, since I kind of forgot to look into it more and find some more, uh, some other barrel aged gins.
0: I, I almost bought it yesterday. But so Big Gin also has a bourbon barreled version. So this is the peat barreled oh, cool. version, which was really limited in the first release when I got this. I don't know if it's as limited now or if they've done more releases of it. Um, but one of their regular editions is aged in Heaven Hill barrels. Oh, so that's right. like, you know, the Elijah Craig's and stuff like that. Yeah. And I really want to try that one. But the problem is I only have I only have room for so many gins in my house
2: before my wife starts. Oh, you can never have too much.
0: <laughs> my Yeah, I, I mean, I've got a lot of gin. I've got a lot of gin, buddy. <laughs> and whiskey and beer. And whiskey and beer. And rum. Exactly. And wine. I've got everything. So I'm, I'm going back to the St. George now. And it's interesting because the the nose on the peat barrel is so strong and sweet, and the nose on Saint George is like cardamom and cinnamon, and mm. I think I get a little bit of that sage. It's like very herbaceous. Sage like it smells, is nice. It smells kind of like um, I don't want to I don't want to say potpourri because it's not like potpourri, but it's kind of like uh, it smells like a herb garden.
2: Oh, interesting!
0: Like lots of chlorophyll. But lots of like interesting depth of flavor, kind of floral, fresh, notes.
2: fresh, and any yeah. uh, any earthiness to it?
0: Not really. Okay, but yeah, it's all like fresh grass, lots of like fresh herb in this one. If you can, if you're a gin guy and you can get Saint George in your area, go buy some. It's amazing. I got a. Uh, they actually have a three pack where they have three of these bottles that are like this tall, um, two hundred milliliters each, and it's the Terroir, the Botanivore, and the Rye. And it's interesting because they're, they're so different. They're as different as like bourbon scotch and Canadian whiskey. Like (laughs) they've got that much variance in flavor. Um, and the, the terroir is my favorite. I think it's the most flavorful and kind of, um, it's a good representation of a classic gin that's also, um, uniquely American style where, you know, um, that, that's the thing you'll find with American gins is, like everything else American, we tend to go over the top. Um, so whereas a London dry gin will be—typically, it'll be uh, juniper-forward. It'll have a lot of that like juniper-berry kind of bite at the beginning, but then very clean finish. Um, American gins prefer to cut the juniper with way more herbs and um, aromatics— To balance that out so if if you like beef eater or something like that american gin might not be your speed but if you like something like hendrix that's kind of different um give some american gins a try because american gins have a lot of uh a lot of variance in how they taste
2: and gin is a pretty cool platform because it lends itself to uh a lot of experimentation and you can Mm -hmm. you can get tons of different flavors out of it
0: yeah um And there are a lot of, so we have a couple local gins. There was one that I almost went with called vivacity. Um, that one is a hundred percent organic and a hundred percent local. So they've everything that's in it is, is local herbs, local juniper, local everything, which is cool. Um, and you'll get that from a lot of different parts of the country. There's another one called death's door. That one is made in Wisconsin and it's made on an island in the great lakes i think or a peninsula huh. but all of the ingredients are within like five miles that's pretty cool it's really really like localized um and that that's kind of what makes gin cool is there's a lot of different things you can do with it to make it interesting um i had another thing on my mind but now i forgot what it was oh uh nope i lost it again <laughs> that's, it that's goes. okay it's all the gin that's huh? how it goes I, I guess so three gins will do that
2: it's trying to get to, yeah. I'm trying to
0: remember what it was that I was going to talk about, and no, I can't remember it. Oh man, I remembered it. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Um, it was a thing that I read while I was reading about big gin. Uh, so it's made in Washington. In Washington, in order to call something craft, it has to be made with at least I think it's at least 50 percent ingredients from Washington.
1: Huh. I, I
0: I had never okay. realized that, but I read about it when I was when I was researching gins to buy. And I think that came up with Big Gin, but it doesn't say it anywhere. Uh, but legally, in order to call something a craft product, it has to be 50% local within the state, which is really cool. And that brings us to the end of our Armed Forces Radio Network segment. Um, so I'll close that out before we keep talking about gin for a little while. Um, thank you to all of our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners. We appreciate you guys out there doing things we're not built to do. Um, we Absolutely. hope you had... A decent saint patrick's day i know there's not green beer over there but hopefully you at least got some rack time some time to hang out um and we appreciate you and remember we want you guys to drink better but we want you guys to drink less
2: words to live by
0: words to live by indeed um it's funny because i um when i think about that phrase it's like kind of a cheesy phrase but we do we want you to drink something – don't drink for volume. Drink for quality. Absolutely. Um, the experience, right? It's the same thing with cigars. Yeah, yeah exactly. You could smoke um, – if I could smoke three $3 cigars in a row or smoke one $9 cigar and then go inside, I'd choose the $9 cigar. You want quality. Um, and for for booze, you get what you pay for for the most part. I mean there's – Yeah, some, generally it's true. There's crap out there for 100 bucks, but – for the most part, you're going to pony up a little bit of cash. You're going to get something better. All right, got to go back to this terroir.
2: So, fun fact here uh, about gin. In 1721, Britain actually consumed three and a half million gallons of gin. That's wow. a ton 1721? of gin. 1721. In that one year alone, they consumed three and a half million gallons of it, which is crazy. I mean, this was you know, around the time when the craze really hit. Yeah. And everyone was trying to make gin with whatever they could find. Um, And I I guess, you know, juniper really has kind of a cool history too, right? Juniper was used during the the plague years. Doctors would take juniper berries and stuff it into their masks during the plague. And because at the time, they actually thought the plague was transmitted via bad odor. So people were like bathing in juniper berry water. Uh, They were using oils. They were consuming wine with juniper added to it. Wow. They They kind of believed it would keep the plague away. Wow, I never knew that. And I think today, actually, still, I'm not sure about this, but pretty sure today still a lot of flea repellents are uh, based out of juniper. Or they really? use juniper as a main ingredient in flea repellents that works. Huh. So if you ever get any fleas.
0: <laughs> I have just just drink as much gin as I can fit. Roger that. I can do that.
2: <laughs> Kill it with alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like fire. Man, you know, going, going back through my pairings, honestly, my favorite— it, it bar none, best one, especially pairing with a cigar. It's got to be this gunpowder, dude. You got to go out, find a bottle, try it. It's phenomenal. I I saw it yesterday when I went to buy the same. It's George. not it's not expensive either. You know, it's it's really reasonably priced. Yeah, um, that's it's a cool bottle.
0: That's actually another really interesting thing about gin. Is for the most part, the gin market is. Um, it's weird because like I have a way harder time paying fifty bucks for a gin. Than I do paying fifty bucks for a scotch, yeah. Like scotch for me, fifty bucks is the entry point. Fifty bucks is kind of oh, like definitely. Fifty bucks is the cover charge when it comes to scotch. You're not getting anything good for thirty bucks. Um, for gin, fifty bucks is kind of the top end for most gins. Like, um, I mean, the most expensive one there is is a lot more expensive, but the most expensive one that is like you're still getting what you pay for is like sixty bucks. So it's like yeah, and I
2: think the, the gunpowder is like uh it's 30, 35 five? 40, forty bucks? Yeah. Just yeah, around see that's not bad. For New York
0: especially, that's great. Like what did uh what is the botanist cost where you are? So I know it's about it's about forty bucks where I am. It's it's on sale for thirty six now I think.
2: I think I paid thirty eight for it. So it's still pretty okay. reasonable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that one. That's one of my favorite
2: like just drinking gins. And it's got all the all the writing on the on the side. It's actually in the glass or on the glass rather. Yeah. And it, you know, it's kind yeah. of a cool bottle to keep afterward. So
0: a really interesting thing about that bottle, that was one of the first bottles I tried to it. So people who are listening oh, them probably don't know what a kinkage <laughs> is. Um, so it's a it's a device that basically puts a tiny tiny score in a glass bottle so you can turn it into a cup. Um, but my plan was to make a cereal bowl out of the botanist because it's got oh, like this nice. What's oh, nice and wide, yeah. Um, that glass is way too though.
2: Uh oh man. I mean, even trying to score in between the words would be so hard.
0: Yeah, it was it was not easy. It didn't work. It just the whole thing just shattered.
2: Well, I can tell you for a fact the gunpowder will never work with the King because 'Cause it's yeah. got this <laughs> you have to laser cut it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a nice presentation. You know what? At the end of the day, when you when you pay that kind of money for a product, presentation does play into it. Absolutely. 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 Not just the purchasing quality of it, but also when you take it home, you want to display it. You put it on your shelf or your wherever you keep all your spirits. It's nice to look at. Yeah. Um, so what
0: are your takeaways from the cigar tonight? The the uh, the Ritmo South America, or South America Ritmo from Avo.
2: So much sweeter than I expected. Yeah. And all of these tropical notes that I'm getting from it are just insane. I
0: it would It reminds never me a little bit. So... Um, I think we may need to do a redux show at some point and pair this with milkshake IPAs. Um, oh man, I'm down for that. I think that might be too complimentary where we're going like sweetness and sweetness, but it's, it's got like that tropical sweetness, the mango, guava, coconut kind of flavors that mimic what people are doing with milkshake IPAs these days. I think that might be really interesting.
2: That could be cool, and I, I think I see the cigar really working well with uh, ciders as well. Some of the funkier ciders, the sour. Yeah, I see that too. But in general, it, you know, pairing a cigar with gin really tough, and this cigar makes it that much easier. Yeah, it pairs great. I mean, I, th- I think for you know, first experience pairing this particular cigar with the gin, uh, very cool. Gin is yeah. a tough spirit to pair with.
0: I, I think we picked. I think. I'll take the credit. I think I picked the right thing.
2: (laughs) You did, absolutely. Because
0: I, a a couple months ago, I had one of these from IPCPR because it was in the, uh, so Davidoff does these really nice boxes where they kind of have all of their releases of the year. And there was a new Vitola of this. I believe it was the 6x60. And I sat in the chair right there and I smoked it and I immediately texted Dennis, like, I found the cigar for gin.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember that. It's
0: the Avo Ritmo. This is a cigar that's made to go with gin. Um, And I I think just because it's got that, like, that fruity sweetness rather than chocolatey sweetness or something that I think would clash with gin. Um, Another another avenue I think we could find for gin would be like a floral cigar. But the thing is that floral cigars are very difficult to find um, and very difficult to do well. The the only floral cigar I can think of is the Crux Passport. And that one, I don't know if it would work because that's really heavy on the pepper but then it's got a really heavy oh, yeah. component. So the the way I always explain that to people, it's it's like if you had a mouthful of pepper and then you smelled a bouquet of roses. That's what it's like smoking that cigar. It's really, hmm. it's two really contrasting flavors. But I think the pepper would mess with the gin too, because um, this this has spice, but it's pretty light on the spice.
2: Oh, definitely, definitely very light. And it was a, you know pleasant surprise.
0: I like it. Um, what's your pairing of the night? I think my pairing of the night is. Um, it's the peat barrel. The peat-barreled Big Gin goes really well because it's got sweetness and it's got that complexity and a, that little bit of smokiness um, that doesn't interfere with the flavors of the cigar, but it brings out a little bit of the sweetness and the fruitiness of the cigars. What
2: do you think? For me, honestly, I'm going to go with the gunpowder, and I think it's that vapor-distilled, the kaffir lime and the, and the, the lemon, and definitely the gunpowder tea that comes out on the nose, on the finish— and it really fits nicely with the cigar. It really goes well with that sweetness and that those tropical notes. I get a lot of the coconut, and it it's not overpowering.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We really appreciate you guys out there. If you haven't already gone and entered in that AVO contest, go and do that now because um, you can win some cool stuff um, if you're in the U.S. Unfortunately, uh, well, if you're in Canada, we can send you the record player we've already got we've yeah. gotten that nailed down so if you're if you're in canada you can enter but the only prize you're eligible for is the record player so if you win and you're in canada um we're probably gonna have to redraw the prize for somebody else unfortunately but that's that's the nature of tobacco
2: yeah it's so, tricky business
0: yeah thanks everybody for watching and listening uh we appreciate you guys out there watching uh listening supporting us and doing what we love um And we will catch you next time. We're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, Jason and I are going to do a news of the week episode. And then uh, I think we've already got a guest lined up for next week or the week after. I'm not sure which. Um, But we've got some guests coming up um, that are going to be interesting. We've got at least one person that we haven't had on in a long time. And one person who's never been on before. Um, But we'll announce those as we get closer. And remember, we're sharing our pairings. I'll let Dennis do it this time. Want you to drink less,
2: drink better. You got it backwards, bro. Oh, want you to drink better? <laughs> oh, we
0: want you to drink less.